and Paul, and good to see all of you here this morning, just about said this afternoon once again, but it's this morning. Let's take our Bibles uh, to the, we're going to actually go to uh, the book of Luke today. In Mark, we were talking about uh, last, well, it's been a long journey in Mark, but we've run out of Mark, if you will, and uh, we're talking about the resurrection. That is the most important thing, literally, for Christianity. If the resurrection did not happen, then literally we have no reason to be here. We have nothing to stand on. Paul said that very clearly in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, we're above all, most miserable if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead. Because he said he would. And if he didn't, then the Bible's a joke. But he did. That's the good news, right? That's the good news. That's the good news. So last week we looked at, he appeared first of all uh, in his resurrected body to women, to Mary Magdalene, to the women that were actually, had followed him to the cross. And the part that I didn't mention to you, it's amazing as we think about even this, this passage we'll go to today, that think about where Jesus appeared in post-resurrection. Now think back when he was born, where God, I mean, was there this great announcement at the... Uh, the best western of Jerusalem, that Jesus is coming. Get ready. We've got a celebration coming. We've got a big party. None of that happened, right? It was, it was the most obscure. And the people that he arranged with, literally to tell the message was whom? The shepherds. You know what the shepherds were in the, Jerusalem, or in the, uh, the Jewish culture? Very, very low. Now, whether you knew this or not, but women being the first to be given the sense of the post-resurrection appearance, if you were going to go to court... And have someone testify. At that culture, in that day, women were not allowed to testify. Now think of what Jesus is doing here. Is that the first place you'd go? If you're Jesus, you do. We're going to look at another one today. I would like to go to uh, one of my favorites. And the one I, it's, we're going to take a little bit of a look at it. So we've got the two guys, uh, and whether it might be a husband and wife, uh, Cleopas, and potentially his wife, or another guy. They've given up. They've completely given up. They said, there's, there's nothing for us here. The one we thought, the one that was going to redeem, and we'll be looking at that word, to redeem Israel from the Romans, he's dead. I mean, you can see them. I mean, if they were six foot two, they're five foot six. They're just, they're just slumped over. It's terrible. It's as bad as it gets. So let's read it now. Luke chapter 24. We'll begin reading. Actually, it'll be a longer passage. Let's begin if you don't mind, let's start in verse 1. Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. This it brings us all to the resurrection. Now, upon the first day of the first week, I'm sorry, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, that would be Sunday, they came upon the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he, spoke, how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. 
It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were there with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. They talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holden, they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, saying unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which was which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and, and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified and affrighted, and were supposed that they had seen the Spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why, do you, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see, have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. May God add a special blessing in reading of His Word. Let us just pause for prayer prior to our study. Father God, what a blessing to know that we have within our hands the Word of God. God breathed. Father, what a, what a gift for us to have Your love letter to us. We thank You for the power of the Word. Thank You for Jesus Christ as we talk about the magnificence in Him being risen from the dead. As Jesus said on the cross, his final, final words, it is finished. Father, when, you wrote, when he arose, you said, I am satisfied. 
All of that has worked towards us being with you forever because the, sat the sacrifice was complete. It was full and complete. Father, these verses that we've read, this time that we have together, we would ask that you'd use the word and that the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher, that we would be open and ready to receive, that relationally we will have moved to another level closer to you as you conform us to the image of your son. Father, we thank you for what you Wow, a lot of stuff going on, right? How would have you liked to have been there? <laughs> I, I would have. And, and yet, think of it. God is no less in control today in America. It looks a little dismal, but probably not as dismal as it did for those that watched their Savior be crucified on a cross. And then Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus taking that body and putting it in a sepulcher to be buried for three days. How would have that weekend been? I mean, completely the air would have went out of you. There would have been nothing left. The disciples had followed this man, this one they called the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter had the right answer. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. Perfect. Touchdown. Good job. And then, almost within minutes, Jesus revealed of what would happen to him. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified. And then I will be raised from the dead three days later. And what did Peter say? Oh, no. No, stop. Don't do that. No, no that's not the plan. Our plan is for you to be the king of everything, and we will be right beside you. That's literally these men, these two guys. I'm going to call them men. The women had last week. We're going to have two guys. It's going to be Cleopas and who knows another guy. So is it okay with you? We're going to, we're going to go ahead. Okay. So at any rate, um, these two guys, they said that literally that this one they thought, this one they trusted, would redeem Israel. Now that word redeem would mean what? What does the word redeem mean? To purchase or to buy back, right? And in their sense, it was a matter of literally this Messiah coming and taking a hold and taking Israel to a new height of the kingdom and will live happily ever after. That was their picture. That was what they learned. That's what they, and that, by the way, it was kind of like uh, they didn't want to believe what they didn't want to believe. That's really how evolution has had a great following is the fact as soon as you believe that there's a God, that means you're responsible to him. And when you're responsible, you have things that you're responsible for. So it's easier not to have one. Well, their Messiah was much the same way. There was a whole lot of glory. There was a whole lot of kingdom. There was a whole lot of stuff that we're going to accomplish. And they missed the suffering side. They missed the other component that was incredibly important. But here they are. They are whipped. They are literally whipped. Uh, I read the first portion before we got to verse 13 because I kind of want, because I wanted you to see that even in spite of the fact the body is gone, the women 
had seen the risen Christ. They had come back and reported. Let's go back to what we've just read in Luke chapter 24 and look at verse 11 once again. The women had reported to the apostles and to all the rest, verse 9, that's where these two, they'd actually heard this story as well, this, this revealing, if you will. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. These guys are faithless. What do you tell them? What would you tell them? What would you tell yourself? It's Jesus. You, you, I mean, you're, on, you're really, you feel really good about Jesus. I mean, you've watched him. He's healed sick people, and he's calmed the winds. He's calmed the sea. Demons have no chance in his presence. He's made food out of nothing. Well, just about nothing. If you take five little fish and loaves and you feed 5,000 people, that's getting it done. You've watched that. Didn't it look good? Looked fantastic. And then he's dead. How can this be? Be hard to cheer up, wouldn't it? Looks like everything's awry. Looks like it's all for nothing. And it, this is the same day. All of this stuff is happening the same day. It's Sunday. It started early in the morning. Remember the women went to the sepulcher early. And their biggest thing was, how are we going to roll the big rock away so we can get inside and finish putting spices and ointments on our dear, deceased, what would you call him, Savior? He's a dead one. <laughs> well, anyway, they get there and the rock's rolled away. Body's gone. Now what? Did you notice these two guys are walking to Emmaus? Now, how far is Emmaus? It's set it in furlongs in the King James. It's about seven miles. It's thought to be northwest of Jerusalem. So it's probably a two-hour walk, and that was a walking uh, culture. Everybody walked, right? So in a thoroughfare, literally, and this is interesting, they're walking and they're talking, and the two of them are intimately involved in what's taken place in the previous week which everyone knows what's taken place in the previous week. Here's this Jesus, the one that they were really, all of their hopes were in, on Monday had walked into Jerusalem and literally was the king. By the end of the day, tens of thousands of people called him the king of Israel. Friday, he's hanging on a cross. Three o'clock in the afternoon, he's dead. He's def the last words, it is finished. And into your spirit, I, I commit my spirit into my father's hands, and he's gone. He's in a grave. That's how it looks. And everybody do that. And all of a sudden, here's this guy. And all of a sudden, he's just there walking with him. He's just walking along with him. And I don't know what pace, but I'm sure these guys are... <laughs> I said two hours. It might have taken two days at their rate, right? I mean, they're dejected. They're down. There's nothing going on. It's terrible. It, our world has collapsed. And he says to them, what are you guys talking about? And he, he's along, far enough along, so he's actually part of the community. He's listening, but he acts like, now this is the brilliance of the most, the greatest expositor of all time, Jesus Christ himself. A great teacher is one that's able to ask questions that brings out that person 
into wanting to know what it is they need to know, right? That's how my mind works as well. I had some teachers in, uh, uh, in, in my past that the ones that could ask a really good question, then I had to ask myself. And when I was ready to ask a question, I was ready to learn. But until you're ready to ask a question, you're not ready to learn. The guys that go on and just, uh, you know, nothing wrong with giving information or facts, but if you go on for that for a, an hour or two, you've lost me. Somewhere I got to get in there. Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> and, and it's like, I think they stopped. What do you mean you don't know what we're talking about? This is totally in case Jerusalem for the last week. Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows he was king on Monday. Everybody knows he's dead. Everybody knows he's buried. It's like, you know, what's wrong with you? And then Jesus even opens it for what things? Oh, my goodness, right? How could you miss this? They're just aghast. What do you mean, what things? Well, they went ahead and actually gave him a, a quick overview. And before they did that, I want us to think about what's going to take place here now. Do they know that Jesus is walking with them? No. No, it's very clear that he has been hidden from their recognition. And that apparently is the way it is with Jesus. There's something different about his resurrected body. Because remember, Mary Magdalene, which knew him very well, he was the one that probably, she, she would have done anything for Jesus Christ. He had cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Wow, right? And he was right in front of her. He even spoke to her. And she did not know who he was. She thought he was the gardener until he said her name. It would have been in that way that he always said his, her name. And I don't know how he said his name, her name, but Mary. And then she knew who he was. Well, here's these two guys. Would have they known Jesus? Absolutely. They were followers of him. They were disciples. But this guy's walking along. They have no idea who he is. In fact, they're really quite incredibly miffed that this guy doesn't even know what's going on. Right? What's the greatest thing, literally, that could happen to someone that doesn't know the truth? to have it explained. There's nothing greater, literally, and this is the thing that's really interesting, is Jesus could have walked up to them. Now, think of it this way. In fact, we know Jesus is there. They don't. You see, you see the inside track we have? You know he's there, right? But they don't. But we still act like he's there. But what if he would have done this? Hey, guys, remember me? I'm Jesus, the guy that was I'm like, alive, right? Aren't you guys excited? I mean, they would have done black flips. They would have believed anything he said. But I'm here to tell you that the same power that took them out of the doldrums, that raised them to a new height. In fact, the difference from exhilaration to complete depression was done and it was accomplished without Jesus declaring who he was. He did it through the word of God. That's what I want you to see today. The power of the Word of God is so amazing when it's fully comprehended. The full truth unfolded is the most important thing that could happen to anyone today or in that day. 
He did it all with the Word of God. In fact, they say in verse 32, we're going to look at it a couple of times. They say in verse 32 of the same chapter, after, at, this was after they, that He had revealed themselves. But look at this, verse 32. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while, we, while He talked with us, by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures? You know what that is? That's the joy of truth. And if you're a believer, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when truth is revealed to you, and there may be a nugget that you've not seen before, and you have that hit you, and it's amazing. Isn't it? You know it's true. And there's just something about it that's literally that burning in your heart. And the really cool, this is, this, Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive, but you know what? He showed them that the Word of God is alive. It's the same for us today. Now, I, there's a day I'm coming, this coming that I'm going to be able to see my Jesus, the one that's wearing nail prints in his hands and his feet, and he died for me. He took my hell for three hours on the cross, and he wore it so that I didn't have to. And it certainly wasn't free. He paid for all of it. But there's a day because I've accepted him, his grace, by faith, because he paid, that's the word redemption, to redeem. He bought me out of the sin market. And there's a day I'm going to be able to just see him as he is. I, I, can't, I can't wait. Because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And to think, he's got these two disciples that his identity is hidden from him, and he takes the Word of God and unpacks it and unfolds it. I can just, can you imagine being there? Oh my goodness. I don't know how long it takes to walk seven, and we know that he didn't start off with them. It wasn't like this planned seminar. He just kind of saddles in, right? Are they two miles in? I don't know. I'll bet that was the shortest seven miles they'd ever walked. Because I can tell every mile, every step, it was just a little bit lighter because they were being taught the truth. See, the truth oftentimes is not fun. Now, if you're a sinner and you don't know you're a sinner and the Word of God says, for the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that does not feel good. But we have to know it because the truth will set us free. I want to know the truth. Right? And Jesus is unfolding this for these two guys. It must have been amazing. The power from Jesus revealing to these two guys. Oh, my goodness. One thing, and, and we're just, uh, just little things, but 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go there for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. These are just, there'll be sidelines as we go along. It says that you, you, you follow in your, in your uh, Bible. 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Timothy, I said it once. 2 Timothy 3.16. And this is how it goes. Some scripture is given by... <laughs> you got to be moral. You just got to bring it, right? Just go right for it, right? What if it said that? I'm gone. I'm gone. You have nothing, Right? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that the mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You want to grow up in this life? Immerse yourself in the Word of God. The truth will set you free. Powerful. 
All of those hopes or dreams or expectations, they'd been destroyed. They're discouraged, they're downtrodden. But what a place to be, right beside Jesus. They needed to understand the truth. And he's the source. Well, what did they tell him? Well, let's go back to Luke chapter 24. And let's unfold, unpack what they're going to quickly summarize for this guy that doesn't know anything about it. Verse 19, they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Now, there's something about that, isn't there, that would be a kind of a cross against the grain. Who's their rulers? Well, it's their religious leaders. It's people that are holding the torch that are supposedly following after God. And they've just said, our leaders literally handed him over to the Romans to execute him. It's almost like, did we have the wrong guy? Did we miss it? I mean, like the real gurus, the smart guys, they hated him. Did we go wrong? You can just tell. They're just, they're, they're just mired in, I don't know what we did. I don't know where we were going. What were we doing? Verse 21. Oh, this is good. But we trusted. We trusted that it had been that he should have redeemed Israel. And beside all of this, it's almost like an afterthought. Today's the third day since these things were done. In other words, we even hung around most of the third day to see if he would show up. <laughs> and there he is. Right? Isn't this, what an uncanny thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there were certain women that we know that, well, they were kind of astonished, verse 22, and it was, they, were, they were there early in the sepulcher, and when they found, couldn't find his body, they said they saw a vision of angels, and they said he was alive. You know, you can just tell this is almost like, you know, like, right. It's a fairy tale. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even as what the woman said, but, he, you know, they didn't see him, so, you know, I don't know. <laughs> totally defeated. And then Jesus answers, and it's pretty stark now. He's got them where they've revealed what they know and also what they didn't know. And he says this. It's a fairly stout rebuke. He said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not Christ, that's the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. There's two sides to it. He has to suffer before there can be glory. What if he hadn't suffered? You know where we'd be? As lost as imaginable. Again, I'd, I'd just be... Now I'm depressed. And then it says that he... Starting from Moses... Now, that's not Moses in the sense of where the Moses story is, but Moses would have written the first five books. He starts at the beginning. He says, let me show you the suffering side. Let me show you the Jesus side, because the whole Bible is about Jesus, isn't it? The theme of the Bible is Jesus, thankfully. It really is. It is. Absolutely. He's everywhere, and I'm so glad. 
One place he shows up really early, actually, and it's not in the Old Testament, even though it, it is. I mean, we'll, we'll get there. But the one that really still thrills me is the fact in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, for he, God, chose us in him, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world. If you can grasp that one, you're starting to get a handle on love. Can you believe what God reckoned to do and, per, and in advance predetermined that to happen? Oh my goodness! Just because of you and you and you and you and me. Isn't that something? That just, that just, I just, woof. That's serious stuff. But God is here, I'm sorry, Jesus is here to get them lined up. He wants them to see everything they need to see so that it all starts to clear up. You know, the most dangerous thing? Yeah, I think even more dangerous than no truth is some truth. That's how culture started. That's why we have all of these isms that are so far out. Half-truth is worse. Than, you, you, may, you may not think I'm right here, but half-truth is worse than no truth. Because if you don't know any truth, then you can just take, look at the creation. It says in Romans chapter 1, there really is no excuse. There is a God that made this. But half-truth can steer you down a path that is crazy dangerous. It removes Sarah. Yeah, that half. He was a half sister. Yeah, remember. <laughs> and then they kind of go to Egypt. Kind of, well, they did. They didn't kind of go, right? Did God tell them to go to Egypt? You know, it was, it was, no, he did. You can't find that. It was a famine. It was a serious, serious drought. And Abram says to Sarah, we better go somewhere where there's food, right? So we're going to go. Again, no talking to God. I mean, you just, they just take off, right? So they get to Egypt, and Abraham's a pretty good thinker, and Sarah's pretty good looking. The combination is this. Sarah, honey, honey, honey. You know. <laughs> exactly. He says, he says, you know, you're a knockout. And, and, and these, these Egyptian guys, I mean, I, my life is in danger, honey. So what I want you to do is just say that you're my sister. Now, that is truly a half a lie, half a truth, which is a whole lie. And guess whose life was in danger at that point? And God spared her. God protected her in the midst of all of that. And thankfully, Abram got it together later. Every step, And it's like in our journeys. You know, you have those, those times you trip and fall down, right? But the only time you fail is when you don't get up because God is right there to pick you up. He'll take you to the next level. That's what you grow on. That's how you get stronger. I look at Abraham, and we've talked about Genesis chapter 22. There's another beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. So Abraham's got his son Isaac, and they're up the mountain. What a, how would you like to have been Isaac on that day? And he's got to do, he's not, a, he's not a, he's a bright lad. Okay, dad, I got the wood. I'm going to say that he's got the fire, right? Because, you know, the son, heavy, he's going to take the load. And he's just doing the calculation. Because this isn't the first, by the way, this, is, this is, seems normal. This is not the first time they've worshipped God. Isaac and, it, this, is, this is, you can tell. Isaac is not, what are we doing, Dad? What are we doing all this wood? What are we, why are we doing this, right? It's not like that. He's starting to calculate, though. He says, uh, where's, where's the sacrifice? 
And then Abram's response is perfect. Dads, this is perfect. The Lord will provide. Oh, fantastic. Have you had a lot of, have you had a lot of month left and there's no money left? <coughs> have you ever had that? It happens regularly sometimes, doesn't it? And you know what? God will provide. I've used, because of what Abraham, and he said it in faith, he's the one that knows who the sacrifice is supposed to be. That's his son who's carrying the wood. And he says, brilliantly with faith, son, the Lord will provide. Isn't that good? Fantastic. That's faith everywhere. And then they go, and you know the story. But it's fun to just relay it because it really shows the power of God. Isaac's got to be getting nervous as now he's laid on top of the wood and he's been sort of like, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. He's tied onto the wood. This is where, hey, Dad, what are we doing here? (laughs) This is looking a little tricky. (laughs) Right? But I think of the faith that Isaac has in his father because Abram had had earned it. And Abram's got faith in his father, Father God. And if we go to Hebrews, you'll actually see that Abram really literally believed that even if he was asked to slay his son because God had promised him through him, his son, that there would be a great nation and as the sand of the sea would be his descendants. And knowing that God cannot lie, that he would have to literally raise this one, Isaac, from the dead because God would have to do that to fulfill his promise. Now that, my friends, is faith. That's how much you believe God. And it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't that great, though? Just read right at the very end. It's amazing. Where are you, God? It's getting a little late. Uh, uh, oof, this is too close. I mean, thank you, but I, mean, I get it. I got the message. Where are you at? Right? And, I'm, and as, as Abraham gets closer and closer... And as it says, he raises his hand. That w- okay, that's it. Stop. And then there had to be, whew, Isaac had the biggest sigh. <laughs> and then you just turn around, and there he is. The Lord will provide perfectly. Not early, not late. Why? Where, I wonder, was there something else we could sacrifice here, God? Where's that? Where's that? Wasn't it? That's how God's timing is perfect. You know when Jesus Christ died? Perfectly at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday when all of the Passover lambs were being slaughtered across the land and he was the Passover lamb for the entire world. Ah! Perfect! And they put him in a grave in three days just like he talked about on the third day he would raise from the dead and guess what? On the third day an earthquake came, Matthew chapter 28, blew the rock open, angel sitting on top, and he said, he's risen, he's not here. Now, did Jesus have to have the rock rolled away to get out? Of course not, he was gone. It was for us to know that he was gone, just like he said. That, to me, is the greatest miracle that had to happen for me to be involved in the Bible. If that had not happened, I'm gone. I'm gone. Even the chief priests, we looked at that last week, and the rulers did you, let's go back and just revisit this for just a second. I did a really poorly job last night. I couldn't even find it. Thank you to Jeff. He finally, he said, Larry, it's right there. Okay, so let's go there. I'll find my glasses. Let's go, we're, in, we're actually in Luke. But we want to go back to Matthew, okay? Let's go back to Matthew. Just to give you an idea of people paying attention that really hated Jesus, but were concerned about him. 
in Matthew. These chief priests, if we follow our, our, our schedule, if you will, in verse 62 of chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. Now, if you notice before that, from verses 57 through 61, um, Jesus is buried. So that would be the end of the beginning of the burial. And it says in verse 62, it says, Now the next day that followed the day of preparation. Have been, that would have been Friday. So it's Saturday, which what do you know about a Saturday? If you're a Jew. It's the Sabbath. Now this isn't just any ordinary Sabbath. This is the big time Super Bowl Sabbath. Sorry, I was a little thrown in there. <laughs> I want to keep you right where you're at, though, because we're doing a Super Bowl Passover is what we're doing right now, okay? Because literally, this is the Passover week, and this would have been the highest event of the entire year, and it worked out it was just the day before the Sabbath. If there was ever a Sabbath not to be defiled, it would be this one. You know how to get defiled if you're a Roman? I'm sorry. Oh, messed it up. Oh, did I give that away or what? Oh, I'm so... If you're a Jew, you will be defiled by actually literally going to a Roman headquarters, which, uh, well, you kind of know. We've had the screen up here lots of times. But they actually, let's watch what they did. This is, this, this is the morning of the Sabbath. Are you ready? Did you see it? Oh, my goodness. They're so worried about a guy that's dead. Now, the next day, verse 62, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate. Where do you find Pilate? Do you think Pilate's in the temple? Of course not. Where's Pilate hang out? At his house at the praetorium. So the minute that they stepped on that step, they are defiled by their own ceremonial laws. They are no longer actually, they can't even have a Sabbath. But it's so important because they hate Jesus so much. He had said something that really resonated with them, but not the disciples. Let's see this. So he says, uh, saying, sir, verse 63, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure or secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead, so the last error will be worse than the first. Pilate said, uh, yeah, go ahead. Take your man, go your way, do what you need to do. So they went, made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Everything's in place. Everything's in place. Look what it costs those religious leaders to do it, though. On the high Sabbath of the year, they've literally defiled themselves to just make sure that Jesus... And you know how interested the disciples are in stealing Jesus' body? They didn't even think he'd die. They're so clueless, they aren't even thinking about it. Now, let's watch this. So let's go, chapter 28, just roll over. We're going to look at the conspiracy, verse 11, it starts there. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch, that's the, the, the soldiers, came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. Now, if you actually would read the first 10 verses, you'd find there was a great earthquake. In fact, look at, look at their response. Verse 4, chapter 28 of Matthew, just go back a few verses. Verse 4, chapter 20, And for fear of him, the angel, the keepers, that's the guards, did shake and became as dead men. It made an impression. Back to verse 12, it says, And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say you, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. 
Now stop. There's something really, really interesting here for me. That it's not stated, but it's so big, it's the elephant in the room. They had taken precautions to make sure that there was a guard on a sepulcher with a seal around it, and they defiled themselves on a Sabbath morning, and guess what? The soldiers came to town and said, you won't believe this. There was an earthquake. There was like this angel, but we were really freaked out. I mean, we just like, whoa. And you know what? He's not there. The angel said he's risen. Did you see what they didn't say, the chief priests? Oh, that's belong. No. They said, here's money, you lie. Which tells me what? They believed it. Now, this is why Jesus didn't run into the temple to tens of thousands of people and say, here I am, because they wouldn't have believed it. That was too loud, wasn't it? It's true, isn't it? Those chief priests had that miracle right in front of their eyes, and they chose not to believe it. Now, that's rejecting truth. Rejected truth. That, my friends, is very, very good. How many times do you get to reject truth? I don't know. I don't want you to find out either. There's people that have, and it's the end. Don't play with that. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I'm so glad my Bible says, it tells me the truth. For the wages of sin is death. I want to know that. If it's not, I'm okay. But I want to know that. For all have sinned. I, I would have had it better if it would have said, most people sinned except Larry. That would have been nice, right? Nice catch. But it's such a lie. Wouldn't it have been terrible? Because it's wrong. It's exactly all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God, who is rich in mercy. Right? It's just so good. And, and, and you read it through. Now, I've got decisions to make. Truth has consequences. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Period. And there's so many people hate that because it's so exclusive. I'm glad there's a way, right? A way. I'm good with a way. If there's only one way to get out of a burning house, I'll go with that one, <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to go to heaven? I'll go the way. That's not a problem for me. But you know the ones that don't like the way? Is there something in their heart that rejects truth? There's the key. There's the key. That's exactly a picture of those chief priests and rulers. They had rejected the truth. They had rejected Jesus. Isn't that that amazing? They knew he rose from the dead. They took every precaution. Did you notice where the Roman soldiers didn't go, though? It was pretty smart on their part. They didn't go to Pilate first. Pilate, you won't believe it, man. There's like this angel out there, and we were kind of like falling asleep. Uh, No, where did they go? They went to the chief priest, didn't they? Guys, you will not believe it. And they said, well, of course that's the story. They wouldn't want to hear They didn't want to know the truth. So they said, hey, bring some money. <laughs> These guys need some money. A more. Let's get more. You guys get the story? You're going to say that the disciples stole the body. Did you get it? Let's say it again. The disciples stole the body. And the disciples were that. They're literally, they're, they're behind closed doors. They're scared to death because they think they're next. Now get it again. The disciples stole more money, more, bring some more. They're getting it, right? Isn't that something? This is going on. 
And here's Jesus now, incognito, with two of these guys that doesn't believe any of it happened because as soon as Jesus was dead, they'd given up on their Redeemer because that wasn't part of their message. So Jesus had to start from the beginning. Where would he be started? Now, I don't know. I would have loved to have been there, though, right? Having Jesus unfold. And I could just see this. He just looks unpacking, right? Where would he start? I think he probably went all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Talks about that one. In fact, let's go there. Let's, let's spend a little time. Now, I'm, 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 I don't know exactly, but this works because this is showing Jesus really early on. Well, even more than that, think of this. Think of the cost of sin. That's the part, whole part of this thing. To redeem, you have to purchase. What is the cost of sin? Yes. Yes, it's a big deal. In fact, the first time, the first we see in the Scriptures, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. What a great verse. I love that verse, right? And it starts rolling through. And then you've got a man and you've got a woman. Okay? And it's cool. It's as good as it gets. When's the last time you guys had an afternoon walk with God in the Garden of Eden? Whoa. Yeah, without, I mean, wouldn't that be great? Oh, my goodness. I wonder if they had lemonade. Did they? I don't know. Walking along the garden with lemonade and just talking with God. I mean, it's that good. It's that, it really, don't miss it. There's no sin. There's no contamination. It's that good. Now, I don't know about the lemonade. Forget about that. But um, the, the fellowship is amazing. And then, here comes the snake. I heard a pretty good joke the other day. And it probably isn't right, but we're going to go with it, right? So they said the reason that we got in trouble, if we would have two Cajuns, in the garden. They would have ate the snake and left the fruit. <laughs> right? It didn't work out that way. Because they do like their snakes. At any rate, let's get back to the real story. Let's get back to the real deal. So after they sinned, talk about defeated. I think this would be worse than what these two disciples were imagining right now on the way to Emmaus. Because Adam and Eve are the only two that would have known what it would have been like to walk with God without sin. That next morning must have been amazing. Well, and even that afternoon, when they were supposed to have their walk, what did they do? They hid from God. They hid from God, the one that they're super close to. That's what sin does to it, doesn't it? Even you got a little kid. I mean, we're, we're actually bigger little kids, right? Because when you sin, you want to you hide. You want to get away. You want to stay away from it. I remember as a youngster, though, if I did something wrong and I, was, and I knew it was wrong, I did not want to encounter my mother. Right? But it was amazing when it was dealt with. When that was paid, it was usually with, there was a bit of a posterior problem, but at the same time, when it was, you know what? There was a freedom, wasn't there? It was done. It was paid for. Well, that's how sin is. Sin is much the same way. And think of this. Adam and Eve went to the local department store and got fig leaves. I don't know what color they were. I don't know, I don't know much about them. But that's how they met God, and God says, no, 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 no. You don't have an idea. <coughs> this cost life. Sin takes life. First time you'll find any slang in the scriptures is when God took animal skins and put them on Adam and Eve. And from that point forward, it was always about a blood atonement. And there was always a substitute. 
even fast forward. I mean, there's so much we could talk about. But literally, look, 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 we talked about Abram and Isaac. There was a substitute, that ram, that bought Isaac's life. The Passover lamb. They're in Egypt. They're going to get out of town, right? Take the blood of an innocent, blemishless lamb, and you put the blood on the doorpost, and the angel of death would go by. A substitute. The Day of Atonement that took place every single year in the nation of Israel. It was only good for that one day of that year. Every single year you had to keep doing it. I've often said, ah, boy, I don't know how many, how much livestock I'd have to have just for my sin flock, right? <laughs> right? It would be pretty big. Because every time you think, oh, I did it again. <laughs> and really, you know, that what should have that done for the Jews? What should it have done for these two guys? They knew the Old Testament scriptures. What did it say? Sin costs everything. It's deep. It's wide. It takes the life. It's every, isn't it? The Old Testament's filled with it. And Jesus, I can't imagine. I'm not doing a very good job because he would have just unpacked and rolled through it. But he had to have used Isaiah 53. Let's go there for a moment. Isaiah 53, speaking about he himself, literally. Isaiah 53. So many places we could stop off. Oh, you, before we do that, before you do that, do you even remember like when Noah, he gets off the ark, right? The whole planet outside of eight people have been destroyed. You know, the first thing he does when he gets off the boat is he builds an altar and he has burnt offerings. Isn't that something? Chapter 8, verse 20, in case you were wondering, in Genesis. But let's go to uh, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. We're just going to, it's only 12 verses, so let's read it. This is, this is, Jesus is saying, this is what you have. This is the written word. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no former comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of Saul. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened us not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare this generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see if the travail of his soil shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Whoa! That was in the written word. Jesus unpacked that, and he said, does that look like victory lane? That looks like taking care of sin lane. That's what Jesus came the first time. Now, don't ever, ever back off. When Jesus comes a second time, he is here to take control of everything. Right now, he had to start with the main thing. And what is? That's man's heart. 
the thing that really separates us from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they literally got off course, that was the moment in which there was no question of what was first. No question. He had to take care of the sin problem. And he knew that before he did it. He knew before he did it. And isn't that cool that God would let shed that much love to literally shed all of that on us? Are you, if you're in Jesus, we have millions of things to be thankful for. Millions of things. Do you see a spring in these guys' steps? Is Jesus, again, I don't know where he went, but you see, we just went someplace in the Old Testament. I mean, these guys are getting after it, right? Their heart's starting to burn, isn't it? The truth is starting to say, you know, he's sure there's glory, but there's also suffering. He's a suffering servant and a savior because that's what we needed. The sin problem is incurable. There's nothing you can do about your sin. Mark that down. Don't even try. If you're going to try to work your sin off, you have lost your mind because it can't happen. You could get up early tomorrow morning and go do whatever you think you got to do. And you know what? It isn't going to matter. You can't get it done. You cannot get it done. Because the sin thing wins without Christ. It's not even close. You lose big time. It's like not even showing up. But Jesus handled it. Jesus took care of it. So they get to the place. Okay, we've got to move quickly. You've noticed time flies, right? When you're having fun. So here they go. They got these guys, these two guys. And I can just see it, right? They just... Whoa, this is good. Who is this guy? He knows the Bible. And isn't that the best thing that could have happened to those two guys on that day? And you know what? They are the greatest biblical scholars going forward of anybody in the land because Jesus was their teacher. He was their mentor. And, he unf- and I'll guarantee you, those two men, I don't know if they're two men. I, I don't know why I say that. He, he says men when he says, oh, foolish men. But I, I don't know. But Cleopas and partner... I have to believe every single person they came in contact with. You won't believe what the scripture says about this. That's what our nation needs, people, is the unfolding of the scriptures, the unfolding of the Bible, the unfolding of truth, that people know where they stand. And so they get to Emmaus, which it seems that that's where these guys lived. It's later in the afternoon. When they leave, it's afternoon, I'll say that, so they've got seven miles to go, and they're just dejected. And it seems like they're, that's where they're going. I mean, they're done. They've given up. It's over. It's time out. We lose. And they come there, and it's, hey, 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 this has been so good. Have you ever been in a Bible study where it's like, let's not stop. This is fantastic. And they said, hey, buddy, 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 why don't you come on in? We'll just take you in for the evening. It'll be fun. You, you will. And, and it was like Jesus says, oh, really, I was just going to keep going. It wasn't like, boy, I, Mike, I didn't really get a hotel reservation. Um, could I stay here? It wasn't any of that. It was like he was going to go on. Go on. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. Right? I'm saying this because did you see who broke the bread in the house? Jesus did. That's weird. Who should do that? The host, Right? Now, again, this is not about communion. It, there's no wine there. There's, there's, it, it's just literally they're eating. And it's, I, I think, I can't, this can't be dogmatic, but have you ever been so engaged in truth and it's unfolding and the joy of it? And these guys, it says their heart is burning within them. 
It's like Jesus is almost saying, hey, guys, let me get you something to eat. Let, we'll just keep talking. I'm going I'm to bring something, and we're going to go with it, right? I think it's like that. They are so immersed in, in unfolding this truth that Jesus, or getting this truth that Jesus unfolding. He just finally says, I'll go get you something. This was heavy. This was great. And then that's when, think of this now. I, I don't know. I, I haven't, I, this, is, this is all brand new, so I haven't done this. But, so he's got, the, he's got the bread, which is kind of the opening thing. And he, he's cutting it, right? He's going to cut it. And, uh, and he's laying it out there for them. And, uh, okay, guys, how much did you guys want some of that? Okay, good. What, what are we talking about now? We were talking about the Old Testament, right? Yep. We were in Isaiah, weren't we? It was really good. And you know what would have been, as you're serving, you know what would have been the first thing those guys would have seen? Those nail prints. Those nail prints. It doesn't take too long to catch on. There's not a lot of guys wearing nail prints. And it says, too, now I don't, don't, don't take away from it, their eyes were opened, okay? There's no question that God opened their eyes, but I'm wondering if it wasn't just simultaneously that here's their Savior. Here's the one that died. Here's the one that rose again. Here's the one that just unfolded for them the Old Testament so they could see the suffering side of this one that has now got his nail prints right in front of them. And they said, oh, and he's gone just like that. Poof, vanished. Now, have you ever walked seven miles towards evening and then said to your partner, let's go back? That's exactly what happened. They literally must have ran back to Jerusalem. Dark or not dark, it does not matter. Because they had to tell their people that they had seen Jesus and he had unfolded the scriptures. So let's keep going, okay? So now let's pick up this next text. So they're on the hustle, and I don't know how fast you can do it in seven miles, but they did it quickly. You can just see it. This is no longer trudging. This is boogieing. They are on the roll. Now, unknown to them, which they knew where to go. There was an upper room. It's described to us as that. And they were behind a locked door, the apostles, the 11. They, be, be, they become known as the apostle, the 11 apostles. Okay? And an apostle is someone that's seen Jesus Christ. Literally seen him. Paul seen him, had seen him, and these other apostles. That's the difference between a disciple and an apostle. They literally saw the resurrected Jesus. Okay? So now on this day, this first day, he's appeared to Mary Magdalene, Jesus Christ. He's appeared to the other women that were at the cross. I mean, they weren't at the cross when they saw him. And now the two disciples that were on the way to Emmaus, and they're on their way to go tell the rest of the apostles. They know where they're at. They're behind a locked door. Why? This is another really important part. Why are they behind a locked door? Because there's really bad burglars around. There's been a crime wave. They knew they were next. That's right. Their necks were on the line. Uh, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah, their necks is on the line. But they were scared to death. They were scared to death. Okay, let's keep going. And, and Luke, let's keep rolling. These guys are on fire. You talk about, they're, they're excited beyond belief. Cleopas and, and his partner. i got to get back there to chapter 24. And I'm going to say it one more time. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? By the way, now did you see that? That was before he revealed himself to them. That same power that, that took them to a new level is in your hands. It's right here. It's the living word. Don't discount it at all. This is literally what Jesus used to take them to that level. 
They rose up, verse 33, the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, who's saying? This is important. Who's saying? Have you ever had your thunder just like, I can't believe it. I had something I wanted to share with somebody, and there was somebody that already had shared it. You ever had that? This is exactly what happened. In fact, that group, that saying is those that are in that room. Saying what? They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Simon who? Simon Peter. Literally earlier in the afternoon, Jesus had, now we don't have any occurrence of this except for it's being stated here. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, that he appeared unto Cephas or Peter. Jesus Christ on that afternoon, earlier in the day, had shown up and wouldn't you like to have been a little mouse in that conversation? Hey, Simon, old buddy, Peter, my buddy. Uh, kind of had a rough one there, didn't you? You kind of left me early, early in the evening. Not me, not me. Yeah, but it's me. What do you, what do you think, Peter? My Lord and my God, right? I mean, it's like, whoa. I love what he said in Mark, right? He tells the women, but, but, go tell the disciples and Peter. Talk about feeling low, lower than a snake's belly. I'm telling you, Peter, that's the dude, right? Loudmouth man. And yet it says that Jesus appeared to him. Now, this is great news because it's hitting this whole team right now. What could be better than Jesus is show, showing up before the leader of the apostles? And Peter would be that leader of the apostles. Further you get into Acts, he's a leader, right? He appeared to him. And that's like these two guys. Oh, we wanted to, huh, well, we wanted, right? Okay, let's keep going. They got a chance, right? And they told what things were done in the way, verse 35, and how he was known of them and breaking of bread. They were like second time. And instantly, when they're talking about seeing this Jesus, guess who shows up? Jesus does. And you want, I, I can almost see it like this, okay? Just imagine somebody standing behind me. And here's these two guys. Now, they've just heard, they've just heard Simon talking about the fact Jesus appeared to me this afternoon. And yeah, and you won't believe it. We were walking from, to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, out of somewhere, comes this guy, and he starts talking to us about the Bible. It was amazing. And then he just, oh, I'm telling you, I, it's, I know so much more about the Old Testament right now. And all of a sudden, right there is Jesus. <laughs> Boom. And it says they were scared to death. Why? Was it because of Jesus? No. Usually people don't walk through walls. <laughs> Just show up. Have you seen that happen? No. <laughs> and there he is. Now he's appearing now to all of the apostles. He's going to do it like eight days later. To, there's one that's not here tonight on that night. Who is it? Thomas. Thomas, he's not, I don't know what he's doing. I, maybe he's, who knows. But I have to really appreciate Thomas before, you know, we see him, we, he's always called Doubting Thomas. But if you remember when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, remember this is the coming into the Passover week, I have to just respectfully say Thomas is a gutsy guy. Because Jesus is not liked in Jerusalem by the religious leaders. Everybody knows that. And it's like, why are we going to go? Let's just stay in Galilee. This is a good place. We have a great ministry. Let's just relax. Jesus says, no, I have to go there. And Thomas says it. Well, come on, guys. Let's go with him. Let's all get killed. And he literally, and he's, he's, that, he's that kind of loyalist, right? But he doesn't <coughs> trust anything he can't see. But for right now, everyone's there except for Thomas. 
and Jesus is revealing himself to them. What would have that been like? Is there any doubters now? Only one, Thomas. And eight days later, the scripture tells us that literally Jesus appears again. And he actually, it's almost, the language is so strong, it's like he would have taken Thomas's hand and put it in his side. He says, now, Thomas, right here, right here, put it in right here. And that's when Thomas said, my Lord and my God. This is all happening on the same day. Whew. power of the word. He said, peace be unto you. I, I bet. They were terrified, verse 37, and frightened, supposed that they had seen a spirit, a ghost. I don't know what one of those looks like, neither do they, but it was just, I mean, when is the last time you saw somebody just show up? He's, he, well, the doors were locked, and he's there. That's strange. Why are you troubled? Verse 38. Why, are, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me. See, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me, as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they yet believed not for joy. It's almost like, I, is it really? Could it be? And then he says, okay, let me prove it to you. Do you have any meat? Do you have anything to eat? And they give him broiled fish and some honeycomb. I would have asked for ice cream. I don't know why, but I, you got any ice cream? And he eats it. And it's just kind of abruptly just that's the end, right? It's just right there. I mean, we're going we're gonna to go on to because there, there's a whole other section to this. But the point of the matter is, is has Jesus, would, would you, if you had someone building your itinerary and you've risen from the dead, that's not happened before. It's not happened before. And there's a whole lot of naysayers. Do you notice how much trouble we are, how much time we take on naysayers? Forget it. Forget it. If Jesus was going to deal with the naysayers, he would have showed up downtown Templehood. He'd have been right there. Hey guys, what do you think now? But that's not the way he works. It's not the way he works. He went to the ones that he was going to have carry the message. We'll be looking at that next week the commission, the great commission. Literally, these are the ones, these 11 are the ones that are literally going to take the message across the world. Talk about a daunting task. But with God, everything is possible. Just like with Mary. You know, um, you're going to have a baby. And he is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, time out. I don't know a man. I'm a virgin. Reasonable, right? And the angel says, with God, nothing is impossible. That's in the Bible. Isn't that good? That's what we need to remember in the land we live today. With the Word of God and with God, and we're wanting to be in His will. What is it to be in His will is to glorify Him with everything we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. We Actually, those are some notes left over from our, from our men's Bible study. There's, uh, and let's make this point. This is really good because this is, we use, I use the word, there's a word conform. What does God really want to do with you after he saves you? What does he really want to do with you? Is his main purpose to take you to heaven? Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Don't, don't, mis, don't, don't, don't misread me. I want to go too, right? But what does God want to do with you on your way as you get there? 
He wants you to conform you to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Write this verse down, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. That's literally what God wants to do with you when He saved you. He saved you to do this. He wants to conform you to the image of His Son. So in other words, just think about it. I should look a little bit more like Jesus every day. Sometimes it's not like that. It's three steps forward, it's two steps back. But the long, long short of it is, you should be looking a little bit more like Jesus. What does that look like? This mind that is in you, that was in Christ Jesus, put on humbleness, right? Am I a little more humble? Don't, this, that's, that's, a, that's something, is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting humbler all the time. No, no, stop. You lost it, right? You just lost that little, isn't it amazing how humble is, pride is such a wretched monster. It's such a wretched, even, even when you're gaining, if you acknowledge it, you lost it, right? Okay, let's go back to the real point. Now, the other side of this, what have we got? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 was the fact that the world is trying to conform you to its system. And the word I used was torn between the two. That was, that was the longer we went on. In fact, one of the guys in the group, which I was really good because I'm sitting here thinking, it's not like that. It's not torn between the two. It's the fact that there's a pull. And you pull to the side that you feed the most. And we've already come with a sin nature. So we're, we've got a bent to be conformed to the world. But to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, do you know what that takes? That's yielding to the Holy Spirit that lives within you. If you've trusted Christ to save, you've got a I mean, an ally that's amazing. You have been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. You are not your own. You are the temple of God. Within that temple lives the Holy Spirit. And as we yield, as we give ourselves to Him, guess what? We are feeding that side of us, which is how, how do we feed? Through the Word of God. That's exactly what, what Jesus was doing. This is fitting together nicely. Jesus actually was feeding them the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is what utilizes that Word to ex just expand and flourish. In the high priestly prayer, um, John chapter 14 through 17, literally, Jesus said, I have to leave so that the Spirit can come, the Comforter can come to expose you to all truth. Thy word is truth. Man, this is good stuff, isn't it? Now, this is the key. If you just are floating or drifting, you got your drift boat, are you in it? You know what happens? You're just drifting. Just drifting. You know what it takes to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? Focus a decision, a yieldedness. You've got to go against the tide sometimes. Because that system, that society of conforming to the world's image, or the, to the world system, it is stout. It's like 9 out of 10 going that way. And I, I, don't, don't write that down, but you get the idea. The world is going the wrong way. Going the wrong way. The choice is ours. Because of the Holy Spirit living within you. If you're not a Christian, if you do not know Jesus Christ and you're here today, you have no chance to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You will be conformed to this world because that's whose you are. You must die to that. The only way to do that is to receive Jesus Christ once and for all, payment for sin. And it's done. Hebrews talks about that. One and done. One and done. Everyone that is justified, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, every single one of those that have been declared righteous will be glorified, will go to heaven. It's fantastic news. All because of this right here with Jesus Christ. He owned it. He rules. He's on fire. Yeah. And that's all in the Word of God. Do you see why the Word of God Jesus used? He not only used it there, but guess what? Matthew chapter 4, we're talking about the temptation of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit took him into the, into the wilderness. Did you, did you hear me say that? The Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus wasn't scared of anything that Satan could dish out. But how did he deal with it? 
Did he get up on his high horse and say, I'm God's son? No, he said, the word of God. You have more power in the hands of yourself with the word of God than anything else I could possibly give you. And that's what Jesus used to uplift these two disciples. Let's pray. Father God, it's amazing how powerful, how omnipotent you are. You see it from an eternal standpoint. You've seen everything that will happen, that has happened, before it happened. We can't comprehend the infinity of who you are, but Father, you've described for us your character. It's fixed. It cannot change. Thank you, Father. Thank you that Jesus Christ's sacrifice once for all was adequate, and you proved it by saying, I am satisfied by raising him from the dead. That was the stamp of approval. There was no questions now of bodily resurrection as Jesus shown himself to those disciples. And literally every single one of them outside of John, the apostle, which was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, wrote the book of Revelation in that passage of time. The rest of them were literally martyred, given their lives. Why? Because they knew Jesus Christ was, in fact, resurrected. He was who he said he was. The word of God was, could be trusted. Father, take us this week. You know our journeys. You know where we are in our life. You know our heart language. You know us better than we do. There are men and women here today, Father, that have something that seems insurmountable, something that's bigger than they can handle, something that's overwhelming. Nothing is impossible with you, Father. May we face our problems. You can fix them. It's not up to us. The strength is not required from us. The yieldedness is. Thank you, Father, for the love that you, ex just, it's an explosive love, the power of the word. As Jesus, literally in hours, completely turned this group of men into strong followers of yourself. They began to see the message. The Old Testament was revealed to these two today, as we saw. Father, may we study the scriptures as well to show ourselves to be approved. Surround us with your love. We bow in your presence, asking you to continue to work in us, making us just a little bit more like Jesus every minute of every day until we go to see you for eternity. I ask these things in Christ's name.